Welcome to the Renew the Arts podcast, where we discuss the role of art and creativity in the church and in the world. We're your hosts, Justice Stout and Michael Mengoff, and guest Rusty Hine. Our mission at Renew the Arts is to liberate Christian creativity. At renewthearts.org, you can see what we're working on and see how you can get involved in the creative revival that is currently happening in the church. In the last four years, we've given away more than $200,000 in artist sponsorship value for projects by Christians who are dedicated to their craft and to their faith. If you like the sounds of that, please support our efforts by joining our patron community and perhaps by sponsoring a podcast episode. For more details, visit our website or reach out via email. Why are design and craft important in the arts? Many seem to think art happens in a lightning flash of inspiration and that artists are merely the lightning rods. But Christians should know better. Art, like invention, involves more perspiration than inspiration. Careful, laborious effort is required to make art hospitable to an audience. How can art be hospitable, you may ask? Well, we're going to talk about it. This episode is Art as Hospitality. Before we start, I would love to thank one of our patrons, the Minkoff family, Mr. Mike and Debbie Minkoff for uh, their incredible hospitality over the years. This seemed like the right episode topic to, to thank them. Um, so we'd love to give a shout out to them. We all agreed before the start of this episode that they're some of the most hospitable people we can, uh, that, that we know, that we could even imagine. And um, so we're very thankful not only for the hospitality they show in their art, but also for their patronage of this effort. So big shout out to our patrons, the Minkoff family. Definitely. Amen. So today we have a special guest again. For well, the is it special time. if it's again? He's still special. His mom thinks he's special. special. That's not. I'm always here. I'm just not normally on the microphone. You're Rusty Hine stepping up once again. Here I am. So it's Rusty Hine. He is our creative director at Renew the Arts. And he actually came up with this idea of design as hospitality, and we sort of broadened it into arts as hospitality. And so I wanted to ask you, Rusty, just to begin this by telling us what is this idea? Like, how can art be hospitable? How is design hospitality? How does that work? Yeah, well, I was, I was thinking about this when I was designing our website um, and just the idea of wanting to invite people into a space that might make them feel something and give them an experience that they might want to come back to um, where, uh, I don't know, I've seen movies where I was just like, I don't know, I just had a cool feeling watching that movie is something about the way it was designed, um, sound design and color and form. And so when I was, when I was thinking about the, the website, I was thinking about inviting someone into my home and wanting to have the lighting right and the, the colors on the wall, making sure things were in an intuitive place where you wouldn't put forks in the closet and make people frustrated looking for the things they're trying to find, but give them a sense of like, hey, everything in your house is, is accessible and, and easy to find. I, I come here and I just feel like I want to come back. And I, and, I, and I feel like you've taken care to make me feel warm here. Like you don't you aren't subtly telling me that I that you don't want me here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. And so fact, when I was designing the website, you're subtly telling me you want me to be here. And stay right. a while. 
yeah, stay a while and come back. Yeah, you know, I, I want you to. I want you to want to come back. Did you yeah. did you apply that to our donate page? That same kind of thinking. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Try harder. Oh my goodness. Well, that's great. We usually divide uh, the mastery of the arts into two different categories, and they're not necessarily. We, we've talked about how these categories sort of bleed. They're distinctions, not divisions. Um, and uh, but usually we we distinct. Uh, we make a distinction between the craft of art and the vision of art. And the craft of art has to do with those material ways in which you ma- you manipulate uh, your object in order to fix it or, or mm-hmm. make it how you want it to be. So, like, you're, you're sculpting marble and there's a craft to that. You, like, have a chisel and you learn how to quarry granite and all this other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the vision is sort of the idea of the piece, why you're doing it in the first place. And it does seem that this idea of arts as hospitality connects to craft more than vision. And um, but but how how exactly does that work? Like, how does the craft of a piece of art actually serve the audience in this sort of hospitable way? Like, are there examples that you have? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, if something isn't done well, um, you have this uh, it it sort of rips you out of the experience and draws your attention more to uh, the badness of it or or the the medium. So we talked a lot in art class about uh, in my painting classes and my drawing classes about not or trying not to draw people's attention to the surface of the canvas. Now, obviously, there are some artists that do that just to kind of buck against the rules. But um, generally, um, drawing attention to the medium is the opposite of what an artist is trying to do. Um, there, I remember watching uh, some like special features on the Wally DVD, and one of the background artists was talking about how his job is to make himself pretty much as invisible as possible. If, right. if any attention is drawn to the work that he's done, he's done a bad job. Right. And so ultimately, he's trying to make a world that's believable to where you ignore it because you're not thinking about it. But as right. soon as you start going, hey, that's weird, then he goes, I've done a bad job. Like my right. job is is not done well if it's if it's not invisible. Right, so the craft actually... The right. best craft is invisible craft because yeah. it's a sign and it's just like a misspelling on a sign or something like that. Now, all of a sudden, you're focused on the sign and you're not actually thinking about what the sign is pointing to. Mm, yeah. And um, the, the, the Romans uh, had a, a saying um, in Latin, uh, ars est salari artum, which means that art is to conceal art. And the whole point of that was that artifice or like craft, which is what they're talking about, mm-hmm. was actually designed to conceal itself. That when you looked at it, you didn't say, hey, that looks like a made object, but rather you were interacting with whatever was being presented. Yeah. For instance, if you're watching a, a theater uh, a stage play, you're not wanting to think, oh, these are actors on a stage that are performing a dialogue. Right. That dialogue has to be written in such a careful way that you feel like you're there. You feel like you're yeah, having a you're real experience, you know. Yeah. And so you have this, uh, what, do they, what do they call the, uh, the willing suspension of disbelief mm. is one of the aspects of receiving art. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's such a, a, a vital reason why we believe that the craft of the arts is so important. Um, so the cra- this idea of craft and connecting it to hospitality also speaks to what I would say along with craft and vision, 
there's sort of a dual uh, use or a dual purpose of the arts in terms of the church's mission. And, and, and it has to do with their diaconal mission and their prophetic mission. Hmm. So hospitality would specifically have to do with the diaconal mission, which would really root craft in the, the sense of like the deaconing of the church uh, to serve the material well-being of the audience where they're not frustrated, they're not confused, they're not, um, they're not being forced to look for forks in the closet when it comes to your painting. Like they're, right, they're, yeah. they, they sort of know how to read it and understand and, and, how to read it. In what context are you talking? Like in the context of a sanctuary or in the context of a home or in the context of... I think really just as Christians and creators, uh, really, that the, the idea of to serve others with well-made things to serve others with beautiful things, it has to do with sort of the embodied witness. And I mean, I, I think about this because, oof, there is a, an issue even in the church today, especially within the Reformed Protestant church, um, concerning the, really the, the, even the validity of the diaconal ministry as part of the mission of the church. A lot of churches, I don't know about Reformed, I mean, you're saying that, so you probably do know. Mm. But I know a lot of Baptist churches, too, don't even have positions of deacons a lot mm -hmm. of times. It's just like ruling elders or, you know, voting elders or whatever. Exactly. And so, and the reason for that would be that the telling of the message, the content mm -hmm. is what's being supported. And you look at this, you're like, oh, okay, form versus content, craft versus vision. They're like, it's all about the vision. But yeah. there's this idea that the vision can be transmitted properly without, without craft. craft. Yeah. I think we've even talked at some point about like um, signs and destinations. And if you created this elaborate um, attraction, like a Disney World kind of place, mm -hmm. and then and, and poured all of your resources into building this awesome destination, and then you were like, oh, yeah, I guess we do need to have some signage on the road to direct people to get here. Let's just do that with big pens on cardboard, mm -hmm. you know? Like that, that no one's going to show up to see your awesome attraction if the signs pointing to it are bad. Or non-existent. Now, what's yeah. strange about that is that it seems to be contradictory because you were just talking about inconspicuous art being hospitable. Well, yeah, kind well, of but this is art world. is conspicuously bad. That's the problem. Yeah, you're drawing attention to the badness. There's you know, two extremes like, to this problem of craft. There, there are some so it's, very it's not poorly that the art made draws movies. attention to itself. It's that it draws attention to... More so the medium or the artist behind it. Right. Yeah. Where like you're listening to a, you know, you're watching a Christian movie or you're listening to a Christian song and you're saying, I'm not even thinking about what this guy is saying. I'm just thinking about the fact that this is awful. It's like, bad th craft. This is just not actually. Like the lighting isn't believable yeah. or the writing isn't Who edited this? Or, Who yeah. directed this film? You're thinking about the makers of the film rather than the, the message and content of the film itself. It's drawing your attention to the medium. Yeah. The, mm -hmm. Like the filmmaking. And it's like, I don't want, you shouldn't be thinking about the filmmaking right. while you're watching a movie. And both shoddy craft. I think I might be, be just pushing, uh, no, no, playing no. The, the role of pushback on yeah, this no, one. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, but like, there are a lot of really fantastic filmmakers that it's like, oh, that that's so Spielberg or, oh, that's so, you know, whoever, the, because they have these things that as you're watching the movie, it's like, oh, this is definitely a sig signature move on their part, whether it is, you know, a color scheme or a But only if you're clued into it. Like, you know those things because you watched every frame of painting, right? And, and you start watching watching for those things. And that's but, fine. There There is a joy to exploring the craft in the same way that there is a joy. Okay, so my parents... 
sold the house that I grew up in that my dad had designed. Mm-hmm. And my dad is a really incredible designer. Yeah. And my mom and dad both have so much experience in hospitality that they really understand how a house needs to be organized in order to make it functional as a hospitable space. Mm-hmm. Now, my dad was buying into his company, so he deci- decided to sell this big house that he had designed and built uh, so that we could have this extra income so he could buy into the company. And it was like good future move. Mm-hmm. But we ended up moving out of this house that we all loved a lot. The people that bought it uh, sold it to another <laughs> couple. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But eventually somebody ended up owning this house that really started to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. In fact, they appreciated the house so much where the light switches were, how the floor plan was laid out. Everything about this house, they were like, wow, whoever put this house together was really thinking about other people Mm -hmm. a lot. And they were so impressed with the design of this house that they contacted my mom and dad Mm -hmm. and invited them over for dinner. Wow. (laughs) And said, hey, let's... Like years and years and years after? Yeah, that was pretty recently, right? Right, Yeah. yeah, years and years after. Invited them over to the house and said, hey... Can you tell us a little bit about what you were thinking when you put things together like this? Because I don't even have to think about where a light switch is. Mm -hmm. If I go to a room, I just think, what would be the most natural, best place for it to be? And that's where it is every time. And it's like even those details, Mm -hmm. those very little details show so much consideration. Now, here's the difference. Here's the difference between the two things. Mm -hmm. What are you drawing attention to? In the, in the case of this well-designed house, what they're really drawing attention to is their love for you, mm-hmm. their consideration of you. Now, sometimes ostentatious craft starts to draw attention to the crafter. Like, mm-hmm. look at yeah. me, look at me, consider me. Yeah. yeah. It's got to um, be right in the middle. It can't be too good and right. it can't be too it's, bad. It can't be too <laughs> yeah. ostentatious and it can't be shoddy. Either yeah. way, you're drawing too much attention. And that's what I was thinking actually about houses, extravagant houses. And um, because I was thinking, oh, well, if it's all about craft, then extravagance would be the highest form of hospitality right. because there's absolute, you know, well, no, incredibly I mean, high standards of craft involved in the, you know, whatever the marble that was yeah. whatever. But I'm know, sure you've been in those houses thing. and not and felt can't very live in them. warm in them. My because mom, that's like, kind of the point I that I'm thinking I feel like of. I can't yeah. sit down. No, yeah. my, my mom had a sign in the house when we were growing up that said this house is clean enough to be healthy and dirty enough to be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, she exactly. was very much yeah. thinking about, like, how do we draw this line? And, again, what is the point of that? What is the focus of that? The focus of that mm-hmm. is in service to others. And that really is what deaconing is all about. So, it's not just a level of craft. That uh, is craft-oriented. That is, r- right, you're exactly. Audi- you're o- it's audience-oriented yeah. craft, meaning it's, it's service-oriented. Serv- servant craft, like uh, craft-oriented at serving. and st- Because, yeah, you can have an incredibly beautiful house, huge house with all these details and extravagant And it pieces, not be livable and, or inviting. Well, and you don't want to, you wouldn't want to live there. You wouldn't want to stay there because right. you don't feel... Certainly, you're not at the heart of the design. Right. It's like, they don't care about me. They care about them. Right. And the perception that I have about them. Right. Which is why it's so absolutely important that the craft that Christians use is actually diaconal. 
not so shoddy that it shows a, 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 a complete lack of consideration for the audience and not so ostentatious that it's self-serving and self-directing, but really service-oriented. And I just want to read this because I don't think we often think about this, but the office of deacon in the church and the way in which that service is oriented is established by Jesus himself, even mm -hmm. before Acts 6, where they decide to have your proto-deacons in Jerusalem in order for the serving of tables to be uh, accomplished. Jesus himself says this, and I, I, want, I want to read this. This is Luke 22, 24 through 27. And there arose also a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be the greatest. And Jesus said to them, The rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you. But the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader is like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. The word there for serve is diakonon, deacon. Mm -hmm. to, to, he deacons us. Mm. If, the, if the head of the church, if the king of the world says, I have been the greatest deacon, then is it not the case that every single Christian from the top down, as he says, is called to that service? And should that not be part of the way we address the arts? We have beautiful spaces, beautiful things, and beautiful craft, not to point to ourselves, but rather to serve the people who are using those spaces, using those pieces, uh, experiencing that music, right. watching that film. We are we put the amount of time and yeah. labor into it in order to serve them mm -hmm. so that they are served. And it's kind of interesting, hearkening back to our episode on the um, Court of the Gentiles, it's almost like whenever God made a court of the Gentiles where he invited the Gentiles in to view the worship of him, uh, he actually kind of set an example of the same thing. He was incredibly hospitable to the Gentiles by providing them beautiful things to see and beautiful things to hear and wonderful things to smell uh, as, you know, as an invitation. Exactly. As, as, an inv as a very welcoming thing. Like mm -hmm. this is a good place to be. And it lends credential, I think, uh, where when uh, – so I was reading this awesome article yesterday about um, the, the trustworthiness of fonts because I'm a nerd and I subscribe to uh, design newsletters. And uh, they, their conclusion was ultimately that Baskerville is the most trustworthy font and that Comic Sans is and, the least. And that's the one that everybody <laughs> likes to – you know, uh, well, rag on, you should but, talk about the example of that study that was published, right? So there was a there was a CERN science study that on the Higgs boson particle, right? So they finally discovered this particle that had been hypothesized thirty seven years ago. They finally found it, and they they published their uh, their findings in Comic Sans, and you can find this, and it looks like a third grader science fair project. <laughs> like if you, f if you were searching through, you know, Google images to where's, find, where's, where's the official one? I yeah, keep finding like this, this. This should not be taken seriously, right? This is not important information. For set anybody in... who might not be aware of what Comic Sans is, it's called Comic Sans because it's like the kind of script font you would find in a cartoon, like in the speech bubbles. 
Yeah. Like it's That's that what kind it was designed of, for, yeah. Yeah, and so it, it's it's this really lighthearted, almost hand-scripted font. Yeah, in the design community, it is, it is very is infamous. Basically yeah, only book. ever used for like picnic invitations yeah. for like elementary schools. I have know. a design book actually titled Thou Shall Not for. Use Comic yep. Sans. Right. <laughs> you know, like that's, the, that's the name of the book. Anyway, but what's interesting about this situation isn't just that we like to rag on Comic Sans or that it's a, it's a bad font or that it's, but that in actually, in, in such a reputable presentation by a team of highly Some renowned of the most scientists brilliant people in the world in presenting it in comic sans they did their project a severe disservice because it actually the project itself seemed less reliable mm -hmm. than their yeah. reputations or than the actual work itself should have you know brought yeah. to the table it it sort of discredited it yeah where you're looking at it and you're like this doesn't this seem doesn't, yeah. trustworthy it's not authoritative and so in this article they were talking about they did a whole study and they they have a lot of uh a big sample size of of data mm -hmm. and they came to the conclusion that baskerville font is is considered the most trustworthy and they were able to say that um one percent it, but, I mean, 1% is a lot when you, I mean, if you're a business and you're trying to sell products and mm -hmm. if you could get a 1% sales oh. increase, that 1% of, uh, you know, the results were affected by the font mm -hmm. that, yeah. that, like, that Baskerville was uh, conclusively a more trustworthy font, that if something were written in Baskerville, it was more trusted than something written in in Comic Sans, and I and just that, think that's so fascinating. It is, and and it and it it comes back to this idea that uh, when we are designing for, uh, I mean anything. Uh, I mean, when, as a designer, if if somebody asks me to design for, for like a free freelance job, um, I want to do your project a service by designing well to to make your business seem reputable and and trustworthy. Um, you know, for the Renew the Arts website, I did mm -hmm. the same thing where I, I chose the colors very carefully. I chose the shapes. I chose the, the fonts. And, and the, the fonts and everything. The so these are examples of like, one, you know, areas where we have given, or, you know, you've given attention to hospitality, artist hospitality. But like, to clarify it for me, what would be like an example where, like, where's the harm in not doing that? Like, what would be an example where it's like, it's, ah, see, when you don't do this, actual bad things well it's happen. it's hard to really quantify that sort of thing like to know for sure i mean i guess you could look at that study and just be like well i mean there there is a sense in which people didn't trust the cern study the, the, yeah. i guess thinking of that in the terms of hospitality though is them I well mean, yeah well i i'm thinking them about not trusting me isn't i don't know that doesn't it I'm does having, it, it does make a difference though because it has to do with your witness so yeah. like if you if you're looking at it you know, one of the reasons why we emphasize the craft and hospitality of the arts is because badly crafted art is like a bad waiter at a restaurant or a bad cook at a restaurant. It ends up reflecting extremely poorly on the owner of the restaurant and the restaurant itself. And in the analogy of the church, the owner of the restaurant is God. Mm. And so when people come into contact with Christian art and it reflects this bad craft that doesn't consider the listener or the audience at all, yeah. the one who's really being poo-pooed on in this situation is actually God. Oh, yeah. that's the God you serve, the creator of the universe? Pff, I don't yeah. believe that. 
So are you? So are you? Would you say that the current art of the church is typically inhospitable? Well, I I don't want to generally just say all, but there is that part of me that's like, the trend right now is to is toward utilitarianism. Let's just get a warehouse, mm-hmm. you know, something that works. And um, it doesn't have to be beautiful. That's not important. What matters is the message. Um, maybe in your analogy, Michael, I wouldn't say that the cook is bad, but maybe the, the, the atmosphere is bad mm-hmm. where you're like, yeah, we'll just get the food to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the food's good, you know, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but if, if the execution is bad. Yeah, no, but people you know, say this kind of stuff all the time. It's like, you know. If you were to if you were to take the same idea that most people in the church have concerning the gospel and you were to put it into a restaurant, they'd be like, what we're serving is chicken. Chicken is chicken. Mm. Like, if we burn it, if we have a bad sauce, if we don't cut it properly and it's tough and gross and, you know, that's your fault, it's still chicken. Because you know we're saying I mean? the gospel, <laughs> the gospel is the gospel, right? The gospel and is the gospel. If it's However, in a metal we building, or if it's or if it's done artistically or not, or if it's done, you know, the However way the mm. way that it comes across doesn't matter at all. It's just that, that it comes it. across, and right. that it is the word, right? And you're saying, no, yeah. I'm saying that there is an aspect of obedience even in the presentation. Like, I was just reading about Elijah today, uh, you know, story of Elijah, crazy, um, crazy story. And it talks about the prophet of God who came up to another prophet of God and said, hit me, strike me, hurt me. And the prophet of God wouldn't do it. But the whole reason for it was, I need you to hit me so that it looks like I've been in battle because I'm about to go and try to talk to Ahab about how I had a prisoner just like he had a prisoner, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's necessary for my whole drama that I look like I've been in battle, so you need to hurt me, right? And and it's kind of like, well, why is that even important? Why didn't you just go to Ahab and just be like, hey, Ahab, shouldn't have let Benadad go. That's what God says. Mm-hmm. Peace out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, because the presentation matters. And the, the presentation the execution does matter. Of this matters. It's part yeah. of the word of the Lord because you understand the prophet who wouldn't strike him was eaten by a lion at the word of God. Oh, so it definitely mattered. It definitely mattered. <laughs> it definitely mattered <laughs> to God that the prophet actually presented it in that way. And it yeah. and it only stands to reason because when you look at all of Scripture you don't have one form of presentation and you have to assume that that matters. Like you have to assume that God decided to include in scripture propositions, but also songs mm. and also drama and also architecture in the temple yeah. and also short form poetry or, you know, fictional stories when Jesus came and ministered yeah. and also, you know, the list Which goes is on. Which is the reason that, you know, I didn't want our website to look like other websites necessarily, but in some ways, you mm-hmm. know, like things that, you know, but, you know, you don't want your songs to sound the same, you know, right. that, that we... But you want them to but be they, done well and yeah, serve the they, song and they the resemble other songs and some structures. I hope you know, and that you know, there's there's certain things that uh, are uh, formats that yeah. we follow. But um, too much of the same is obviously not what we're looking for. We don't we don't want to just keep making the same good thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, right. So there has to be a point at which this goes too far, certainly, or. Or, I don't know. If if we're trying to move the pendulum, and I think the pendulum certainly needs to be moved because we're certainly completely on the end of, it's the content that matters, the the context and the, the, yeah. 
So what is the other ditch that may be fallen into? Or certainly what are the pitfalls that we might bump into if we're trying to correct that? I think, and this is one of the things that people might even say, is if you are accommodating your message, like the gospel, to your audience to such a degree that you're actually diluting or sugarcoating the truth. I mean, we've had a whole episode on why the church needs to make more ugly art. Mm-hmm. So we're and and in that episode, we made it very care. We clearly and carefully said that doesn't mean we need we need to make badly crafted art, but it. But what serves an audience is not always necessarily what they want to receive, mm-hmm. and so to serve an audience is really to be obedient to God, to be considerate of your audience. And to put the work and the effort into it that God has called you to put into it in order to make it as accessible as it possibly can be. Yeah. And that even goes for pastors themselves. Like, you wouldn't say the same thing about a pastor where it's like, I'm not a, you know, I'm just here to give you the the dry, clean-cut facts, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm just going to read a list of opinions or a list of... Well, Bible verse. That, and, well, yeah, but hopefully it's like actually a pastor should be able to communicate in such a way that is helpful to the congregation. And that actually means the application of some craft of either public speaking. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like if you can't get up in front of an audience Anecdotes. without completely shutting down, maybe mm-hmm. you should get over that before yeah. you yeah. continue to pursue your calling as a pastor. Spurgeon even said like a sermon without an illustration is like a room without windows. You know, like the, that that sermons do need to it's be... It's bad hospitality. Yeah, it's Nobody not likes being good. in a room <laughs> without without a window. Right. Yeah. And so it does that's need great, to be inviting. That's actually perfect, yeah. It does need to be inviting, but it shouldn't be this the situation where you're tickling ears. And yeah, certainly there is a, you have to be careful, but don't we have to be careful about everything? I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I want the extreme answer so that I don't have to do any work and have no discernment and no wisdom and still do what's right. It's like, sorry, mm-hmm. that's actually not well, how that's reality not the works. Christian life. No, it's not. I mean, not. all of the Christian life to me seems to be held in this tension between mm-hmm. like living in the world and not being of the world. Right. And there's mm-hmm. like, well, I, I think most of the time we either want to fall on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, visit the orphans and widows in their afflictions, but remain unstained from the world. Well, mm-hmm. I'd rather do one or the other of those things. Because mm-hmm. that's easier. Doing them both <laughs> is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think uh, most of our lives are trying to find a way to moderate our tendencies toward extremes. Yeah. But we have a, a, a good, I think we have a good example for proper hospitality, and I think that that would, def- that would be God. Mm-hmm. Like, um, whenever we talk about art, it's always in the context of God having made us in his image as creators. Mm-hmm. And so, who is the ultimate artist? Who is the ultimate creator? Who is the ultimate uh, host? Mm-hmm. Certainly God is the ultimate host. And how does he display his hospitality? And like, Extraordinary Man. craft. There, yeah. There's oh my goodness! Such a is long there a conversation. More hospitable to human life than, than this one, right? Yeah. And it's interesting how God draws, or not draws a line, but um, how He is able to incorporate both comfort and livability. You know, like we're able to survive and not only survive, but have comfort, and mm-hmm. not only have comfort, but even pleasures. You know, mm-hmm. there are all kinds of wonderful things to partake of. Um, like we even talked about driving across the country, how you get to the Southeast and everything is so lush. Mm-hmm. Every it, it, Things are growing out of the sidewalk, you mm-hmm. know, it's incredible. But how God um, has that and at the same time 
hard places. Deserts, you know places, what I mean? Wilderness so, places. So yeah. there is an element of hospitality that makes you comfortable, but there's also an element of hospitality that is interesting mm-hmm. and that provides contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's just not, yeah, it, it's not one-sided. Like the hospitality of God can be seen under a microscope and through a telescope. Mm-hmm. And the hospitality of God can be seen in his comfort, but also in his variety. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. and, and, and that he chose to actually put so much effort he actually worked so hard that he rested. That's unbelievable. <laughs> like in preparing a place for us. Yeah. It's on you know, I'm actually thinking of this right now. Like he uh, he was getting ready to host us. Mm-hmm. And so his homemaking was so industrious and involved that after God Almighty finished making a place for us, he just had to take a day off. That's crazy. And you can see it. And we do see it in the incredible detail and grandness, but also specificity mm-hmm. and all the things that he made where he could have just made us in some void. And then and after given all us that, the truth. But no, like he gives us a context and a home and somewhere where we can be nurtured mm-hmm. and and where we can receive truth in all kinds of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, that's incredible. And being made in his his image and and being representatives of him in the world, should we not also have that take same that form that of kind hospitality? Of care? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like take care to show hospitality. Mm-hmm. Is that <laughs> that's <laughs> what the Bible says? <laughs> it is interesting that, that the Bible is so adamant about Hospitality. Hospitality just as a yeah. a moral imperative. Like, be so, hospitable to people. And it's so funny. Like, I, I think of that and I always think of like, oh, well, you help people. But hospitality is certainly more than that. Like, you're talking about bringing people into your home. Yeah. Making them comfortable. Not just giving them bread. I mean, maybe if that's all you have. But like, slaughtering the fattened ox. What does that mean? That means spices and, you know, yeah. like really doing arts. it up. The yeah. culinary arts. And actually yeah. making, like, entertaining angels. Right? Mm-hmm. This idea of full on entertainment, like giving you the best experience I can. Yeah. Uh, which is. Yeah. yeah I mean, and there's so, man, so many arts involved in, in, uh, in, in hospitality. hospitality. Yeah. Because yeah, you have like, uh, we were talking about in, interior design mm-hmm. is an art. Mm-hmm. Um, architecture. You have architecture is an art. Furniture. For, you know, uh, industrial design, Food. I think is what they call it. Um, yeah, culinary arts. Um, Even just the art hanging on the walls. Yeah, yeah. The way decorative they arts, yeah, I guess very that's interior design. But uh-huh. and um, so even like fashion, I think might be at some level a form of a, hospitality. Form of hospitality. Right. Absolutely, um, especially when you consider different contexts and you wear different things. Mm-hmm. Right. So like wearing a black suit to a funeral is maybe you, not necessarily you being you're hospitable, but, but you're serving the audience because you're showing respect mm-hmm. right. and you're and you're trying not to detract. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you wear black to a funeral. Because you don't want to be showy, like yeah, you're you in mourning, and you don't want to draw attention, and you don't well, want to be flamboyant in and, such a, a heavy scene. And what you wear affects the way people receive what you say. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're trying to say something with authority, or or you know, you're wanting people to think of you as a respectable, uh, a, a credible person, uh, wearing a t-shirt and gym shorts and going around uh, trying to 
you know, share the Higgs boson <laughs> particle, you know, like, uh, <laughs> maybe that's not the best way to do like, that. Yeah. It would be interesting to, to consider the fashion that was involved in the presentation right, along yeah. with the font. Like, like, consider all of the, how many pocket pressures, the physical elements were involved. <laughs> um, you had a quote that I wanted you to read. Yeah. So we were, when we were approaching this subject, I remembered a book that I just started dabbling in. Um, it was suggested by a friend of mine, Juliet, and um, it's uh, by Edith Schaefer, the wife of Francis Schaefer. And the title of the book is called The Hidden Art of Homemaking. And so far, it's been a delightful little book. Um, I think her main premise is basically this idea of hospitality, specifically in the arts or in aesthetics, applied to the home because she was a homemaker and that's obviously close to her heart. And the idea of this being the initial staging ground for basically people, mm-hmm. <laughs> all people is the home, um, and uh, infusing a home with um, hospitable aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, this is kind of a, a takeaway from that book. I encourage you to look it up. Whether you are married and have a family Whether you share a house or a flat with one or a number of people, whether you still live with your parents, whether you live alone and have guests in from time to time, whether you are a man or a woman, the fact that you are a Christian should show in some practical area of a growing creativity and sensitivity to to beauty, rather than in a gradual drying up of creativity and a blindness to ugliness. Man, that's good. good. (laughs) Yeah. So... This has been a great conversation. Uh, we're going to close it up with a song off of the album Sea of Glass by Warbler called Testimony. Oh, I like that song. Where uh, Warbler explores a little bit of the uh, reality of the witness of God, his grandeur, and his majesty in nature and in the created order, how hospitable and how wonderful it is. And how even in the midst of all of that, we still sometimes approach it with unbelief. And if you can think of ways that this podcast could be more hospitable to the listeners, uh, I really encourage you to reach out and let us know how we can uh, better serve um, our audience. We always like getting feedback. So if you can think of something, hit us up. Set up, glow my grateful.
your chance It's time to wake up The sun is in the sky To bleach your weary bones